Hi, this is Mike Bursell, voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover and Living with the Land. Welcome to a voyage of discovery and awareness of the richness, the diversity, and the often surprising nature of the Mickey Dudes podcast. And now, from the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, it's the Mickey Dudes Podcast. Here's your master of ceremonies, Wazowski. Hello, humans! Hello, humans, and welcome to the latest episode of the Mickey Dudes Podcast. I am your host, Pat Chinetti. My co-host, Dave, as of this recording, is knee-deep in 25 shots of Beverly. Yuck. But I will give him a heck of a lot of credit. He raised a ton of money for Give Kids the World. So, Dave, as much as I love to bust your stones, tonight I bow to you. You're a good man, kid. Our producer, Greg Nevis, he's still locked in a dungeon. Shh. He's not such a good man. That's why he's in the dungeon. But I am joined by some amazing Mickey Dude rotating commentators. The strong man, Tim Schweska. Dave, now the official flavor of awesome. The historian, Jeff Williams. Flash photography. Wait, Beverly? Who's this Beverly? (laughs) And the ranting Scotsman himself from all the way across the pond, Stephen Maxwell. I'm surrounded by idiots. (laughs) 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 Well, Well done. Well done indeed. That was awesome. (laughs) Tonight, we are actually going to be talking about underrated beverages like Beverly. Oh, wait a minute. No, we're not. My bad. We're talking about underrated Disney movies. That's what the topic is. So we're going to pick one classic, one modern movie, that we feel it's just not getting the love that it deserves. Whether it be from rides in the park, bathrooms such as Tangled or merchandise that you see throughout the parks, Disney Store, online, whatever. These movies that just kind of like, you know, we love them, but they're just not in the same vein as, say, Snow White, the classic, the end-all, be-all, the gold standard. That's where we're going to go tonight. So we're going to have a little roundtable discussion and see where it goes. Sound good, gentlemen? Yep. Let's go. Yes, sir. Great. All right. Awesome. Hold I, I, one second, please. Uh, okay. I had to take a little sip of my Joffrey's Papua New Guinea. I went Origins for tonight's recording. You know, Joffrey's.com, you have a whole bunch of different categories that you can choose from. And the Origins coffee is directly from, obviously, where it says tonight, Papua New Guinea. It is a very great, strong but medium type of blend coffee. You got that kind of strong coffee flavor, but it mixes well and it's earthy and full bodied. It's got a little sweet lingering balance finish. You know, it's pretty good. So if you'd like to enjoy the Papua New Guinea or anything in the origin series, head over to joffreys.com and give it a try. So like Joffrey's coffee, we're going to start off with classic, classic Disney movies. What we think is underrated. Tim, why don't you give me your first classic underrated Disney film. I'm going to go with the classic of Sword in the Stone. 
I have always been a huge fan of history, and one of the big things I've always loved is uh, the Arthurian legend. And this is, uh, this is really right up the alley of kind of a nice little how Arthur came to be who he was. And there's so many variants of the story, but it's, uh, it, it's just it's a great story, great interaction. Uh, Archimedes, uh, the owl, is such a great anti-hero through the entire movie. Uh, you know, kind of almost the uh, kind of the un the unwilling uh, the unwilling tutor, uh, the, the unwilling tutor's aide, I should say. Uh, but great, uh, you know, just great scenes. Uh, you know, one of uh, I think one of the best uh, one of the best battles you'll ever see, which uh, is in between Merlin and Mad Madam Mim. I think one of the most underrated villains out there. And it just, it's, it's got a great moral to the story. You have the, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of background you come from. If you're, you know, if you have good intentions, if your heart is good, if you put the work ethic in, it's, uh, it's just kind of a nice little story showing you can actually be who you want to be if you truly apply yourself. It's a, it's a nice message to send out to kids. Oh, to- totally agree. And, and another thing I completely agree with, and I think underrated villain mad madam well done with that one (laughs) all right because again you know i don't here's the funny thing and i know we're not supposed to talk about that park that's kind of down the street and all that stuff you know universal we don't want to talk about them but when we talk about harry potter like you know you got the Voldemort, you know and you got the big battle and, and you know that battle reminds me of what you just said Tim from Sword in the Stone and and I've thought of that before and then when you said that again I'm like holy cow that's where I you know and I, I always thought about that growing up you know as a kid like you know that's the epic battle but it was done in such a great way and how they changed figures the whole time you know it, it you know uh it, I, I'll kind of speechless over that one I love Sword in the Stone, so it's kind of one of those movies that I would I would have definitely put on my list, and it's one that when I showed it to my kids a couple years ago, we watched it over and over and over again. I think you hit I, I you just knocked that one out of the ballpark. I think we got to go home now. Well, and also <laughs> the the one thing, and thank you, I I appreciate the praise, high praise coming from you. Uh, and I, the one thing I will say that I love about the battle is. It showcases the classic brains over brawn, kind of the pen is mightier than the sword, because Merlin keeps turning into things that make logical sense to where he's actually using himself to the best of his ability, where you have Mim, who just keeps turning into things that are just brute strength, thinking that you can just, you know, just kill everything with power. And I, uh, I kind of like the little hidden, uh, kind of hidden messages in there. It was, it was really neat. Agreed. Strong man, yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you, yeah, you I love always... it when he turned into a virus. <laughs> when he turned into the virus was amazing. <laughs> Pretty cool yes. idea. Oh yes, yes. This it always resonates to uh, you know anytime the sun is shining very very bright. I always turn to my wife, look at her, and go sunshine. I hate sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Being fair skinned that's kind of true too, though. <laughs> yeah. Val- valid point. Well done. All right, Jeff. How about you? Give me a classic. Well, we're not going to go too far back for a classic, but um, I think a really underappreciated movie is uh, James and the Giant Peach. It's uh, it's 1996, but uh, I mean that's still uh, fairly old for some of us folks. <laughs> but uh, it's a stop motion animation movie. If you're not familiar with it, 
Um, it's underappreciated in many aspects because one of the reasons is a, a box office flop. I mean, I think it cost uh, $38 million to make and, like, only made $30 million. So it, it was really uh, – uh, didn't do too well for Disney. But it was uh, a, a redo of the uh, Roald Dahl uh, book by the same name. So uh, I know Roald Dahl's uh, into the news right now uh, culturally because of uh, BFG – and obviously Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but um, it really resonates really well as far as the fantasy uh, Disney wants to portray. But um, I really love the direction. Uh, it's Henry uh, Selleck. You might be familiar with the, uh, a little movie called Nightmare Before Christmas that he did. Um, but also, uh, more recently, he did Coraline. Um, Tim Burton uh, produced it. He's, uh, he's, he's a big driving... Uh, strong point for uh, stop motion animation but that being said uh, one of the cool little uh, hidden gems is that uh, the music is by a little known person called Randy Newman and it's right after he did Toy Story so it was before he really blew up as a as a juggernaut of a musical composer for Disney but uh, he ended up getting nominated for best original score for that little that little movie <laughs> So it's pretty pretty amazing, but I've watched it many times with my kids. It's just one of those those underappreciated little little gems that Disney put out, but it kind of fell by the wayside. Um, it actually has a Rotten Tomatoes score of ninety three percent. So I mean, the critics appreciate it. It's just it just maybe it was a little, I think it was my ahead of its time. So the you know the audiences really didn't get it. I you know maybe here's the thing. I you know, I love I love the story. I I I enjoyed the movie. I really did. You know, it was a great book that we've read to our kids. Um, you know, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's kid you know, kid friendly enough. Yeah. You know you, no, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And I think that may be just yep. the the issue with it. You know, you, you take the films like, you know, uh, you know, Modern Day Frozen for instance. Not many kids really paid much attention to any of the backstory, but they, you know, they saw the princess and the ice and this and that and every you know and they're like ooh pretty and you know and a lot of times movies that aren't necessarily like that they don't necessarily make the money that they should in what we would believe but yeah. i agree with you 100% i think it's a completely underrated movie and i think that's a really good call tim burton definitely uh, he doesn't ever want i guess make movies just for kids i guess that's that's my guess because it seems like he's definitely on a dark and foreboding you know, a look about the movies that he's involved with, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they're not for. There's definitely probably like a, a tween type movie. I think Tim right. Burton just makes the films for Tim Burton. You know, I think he comes out and just totally twists everything. You know, yeah. all yeah. storylines. When I mean, you get Nightmare Before Christmas, you've got uh, Willy Wonka. You know, stuff like that. You know, or, or, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, just yeah. really, really weird. But you, you look at it, and it's a totally different take from the originals that are coming out. Yeah, I just, I hope, uh, honestly, I really hope he never does stop doing it, though, because some of the things he's put out have been pure gold. I mean, he's, uh, he obviously, uh, you know, he, he struck it, you know, struck it right on the head with Nightmare Before Christmas. And if any of you have not seen Coraline, it is so well done, so well put together. It really showcases kind of his chops as a filmmaker. Yeah, it's one of my daughter's favourite films, Coraline. She just loves it just with the button eyes and stuff like that. Just all the stop, stop motion sort of films that are out. That's at a time, because they all come out of that sort of time. It's so, so good. Yeah, they're brilliant. I agree. 
you know, but again, I don't know. I don't know if it's hitting with the the audience. I was talking with my sister the other day, and she went and brought my nephew, who's six, to BFG. Now BFG, you know, hasn't been out for all that long, but it was only playing in one theater in this area at the time in Connecticut. You know, so I'm like, really? It's only in one, and she found it. You know, you know, almost she had to drive like 45 minutes just to see it. So, you know, I haven't seen any of the numbers. It's not like, you know, I got that, you know, data right in front of me. But at the same point in time, it's not like I heard this data of it screaming off the pages. Like, you know, when you saw Star Wars, oh, it's almost at a billion, Frozen, so on and so forth, all these big movies. You know, you didn't hear much about BFG. So maybe it's not necessarily the movies themselves. The movies may be great, yeah. but, you know, it just may it just may not be hitting a chord with the kids, you know, which then the parents aren't going to be like, eh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, spend the money on it per se you know yeah they definitely uh you're right there, there's a demographic there that they're they're missing uh we we went through that that as well and and uh that, that's a tough call for disney because uh you know they're straddling the the fence on the, the demographic for sure yeah but like 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 tim said you know i i hope you know these these type of movies don't don't ever got stopped being made because they are underrated but you know to a lot of people they are classics at the same point in time so you know well done jeff steven Give me your classic. Yeah, I'm going back to 1982. Uh, one of my favourite films of all time is Tron. It's just a hybrid. I mean, obviously, we're, we're focusing more on the, the animated films tonight, but with this being a hybrid and the sort of first one that had computer graphics to that sort of extent, along with live actors, it was just fantastic. It's a great storyline for that sort of era as well because the arcades were really hitting home with all the, the teenagers and and everybody was going to arcades for these machines and from the storyline to actually progress to be taken into a machine where you were outside you know pumping your quarters or your ten pences over here into the machine and then to be drawn into it and actually be part of the, the game was just amazing and the graphics in it are nowadays yeah, okay, they're really, really old, but at the time they were they were groundbreaking stuff. I mean, the light cycles they were going round. Uh, you're playing this game in the arcade, and all of a sudden, you know, it's there for you, and you're actually in the, in the light cycle, and you're you're fighting with these other folk who are exactly the same position. You just want to survive and get into the next round. Just loved the game, loved loved everything about Tron, and then obviously when they came out with the uh, the sequel, Tron Legacy, yes. It, Neither of them really made huge box office hits. I mean, it was seventeen million pound, or sorry, seventeen million dollars it was to make Tron, which again at that time was probably a major expense for Disney uh, to put all these graphics in place. But it only made thirty-three million dollars. But that was box office stuff. I think after that, you know, in, in sales of like videos and DVDs and moving forward like that, I think it's made a lot more than that. But the acting was great, the computer graphics were fantastic, and it just really caught my imagination. I was desperate to go and see this when I was when I was young, desperate. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Stephen. It was uh, <laughs> it was huge in in, um, in in my life as well. Um, you know, the, the whole arcade uh, connection. That that's I don't know if people realize how big a culture that was, but um, there there that was just a big part of our lives. Um, and I, I probably have been on record saying this, but I've said it on a panel where uh, John Lasseter um, has 
mentioned that without Tron, the original Tron, uh, there wouldn't be a Pixar. Um, he would sneak off while he was supposed to be doing, you know, hand-drawn stuff for Fox and the Hound, and he'd be sneaking off uh, to this exciting new computer graphics stuff that they're doing over there uh, on Tron, and um, that energized him to want to do computer uh, graphic uh, graphical uh, animation. So anyway, it, it is it is legendary. It's, it's, I, I forced my kids to watch it early on, but they've grown to be a huge fan of it now. So it takes it it, it sinks in on them after a while. Exactly <laughs> same here. My kids love Tron, and you know I've got a seventeen year old and a thirteen year old who love Tron Legacy as well. And whether it's just taken from me that what I like, they like. I don't think so because they've, they've got their own minds, and I'm sure that. <laughs> They make sure I know that they've got their own minds on several occasions. But to actually sit down and watch that with the three of us actually enjoying a film, it's so good to do it as a family. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I agree with that last part. You know, Disney does that very well. You know, you get the families together to sit down. But I have to admit, my family has never seen Tron. We will never see Tron. Tron is Star Trek. Tron is Star Trek to me. No. Um, it's, it's, it's just, <laughs> I was always a Star Wars fan, so Star Trek was far away. The only thing I know about Tron is there's you know some really cool roller coaster over in Shanghai and oh. on, and, oh. and on, and on family, and fa- family Guy they did some episode and they were like you know Peter Griffith was doing something with it. That's my extent of Tron. So Jeff, I cannot thank you enough for jumping in right away and talking about it because I had nothing to say. <laughs> You're dead to me, Pat. <laughs> that is, honestly, you've got to go and try and find it. Uh, I know it's, you're saying Star Trek and stuff, but it's nothing like Star Trek. The storyline behind it is fantastic. It's just the computer against you. And as Jeff was saying, nobody will understand now what an arcade was like because that's where you went and you met your pals and you had a great time. Now you can do that online, sitting in your own bedroom and talking much like we are doing just now over Skype and and not actually leaving the house. Whereas when you went to the arcade, you met everyone. Yep. It's, yeah. uh, Tron was such an amazing feat, you know, especially for its time and just still an amazing feat, period. And exactly, it talks about, well, what is a bygone era? I mean, we've, I, uh, I was talking about it with uh, my father the other day, the uh, the advent of the VCR, and now the last uh, the, the last place on Earth who was actually still manufacturing them is closed. Yeah, so I've so now that. actually seen the advent and the death of a huge major piece of entertainment technology die within my lifetime, and it kind of hits home on, wow, I mean, how much different things are for future generations as opposed to ours. Hey Tim, that just means you're old. <laughs> just, well aware, just, well aware, good sir. Well aware. Just, <laughs> just, just, even even though with the exact same age, you're you're old. Yeah. The next will be CDs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, oh, oh gosh. If it wasn't for Tomorrowland being such a flop, there was actually a, a Tron three. Uh, nearly getting it into production but with Tomorrowland coming out and not doing as well in the, the box office as they thought it was going to be throwing to get pulled who's to say it's not going to be done in the future but shucks I'm so know. upset I'm so I sad I'm gutted <laughs> absolutely gutted I'm sure I, 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 have, I have I have, te- I have tears they're flowing down my face as we speak <laughs> but Stephen I do I do have a question for you because we're talking about the arcade 
generation and things like that. And you said something, and you said, you know, over here we put quarters in. What did you guys put into machines over there? It was ten pences. We used to put in. Uh, <laughs> okay. Now, is... now I get it a little bit better. If you hear, if you can understand what I, I thought you said, ten panties, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? I'm like, I think what that's is a going different arcade you're talking about there. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah. what kind of arcades are you going to? They have those in Japan. So yeah. <laughs> you, you have to understand, guys. As Americans, we're we're kind of lame because yeah, I, I, you know the. The Mexicans have the peso. The Spaniards have the peseta. You know, they, the English have the pence. You know, everything. We have quarter. Yeah. The Canadians even have the loony. I mean, how fun is it to say loony? <laughs> yeah. just, we actually all have quite a few loonies. Dave, Chuck. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to move on. Miss you, boys. Miss you, cop. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about Greg. He's still in a dungeon. All right, my classic, I'm going with the classic Robin Hood. Okay, now, Robin Hood's a classic story. Okay, you steal from the rich, you give to the poor. And it's been over and done and done over and again and again and again and again. But for whatever reason, whenever I think of classic Disney movies, my mind doesn't necessarily always go to Snow White, Dumbo, Pinocchio, things of that nature. For whatever reason, it normally goes to Robin Hood. And I showed it to my kids again, you know, as a family, and they they loved it. And then I actually tried it out with my eighth graders, and they got the story. They understood the message behind it, and they kind of connected with the characters. And what I really did enjoy about the characters and the animation, and you know, using it obviously with the animals like Disney does, you know. They definitely all took on their own little characteristics and their animal kind of being that they were kind of just fit perfectly, whether it, you know, be Fry or Tuck, whether it be Robin or be Little John, or even down to, you know, uh, the, not the king, who am I thinking of? Um, the sh- sheriff. sheriff. Yeah, oh, sheriff. They, I was thinking of the sheriff, you know, it, it, they all just kind of, the way they looked, the way they talked, the way they acted, it all just fit all going down to um, the prince sucking his thumb, the snake, the whole nine yards. You know, the, the, my eighth graders got it. And, you know, when I could captivate my eighth graders with, you know, a movie that isn't from the modern era, that to me says classic. And that to me, it, you know, it showed a good moral. It showed a good story. And that's why I, I really think it's an underrated classic because you don't see much of it today. I think the animation is totally different to what anything else was or it was very 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 much 2d films you know and i know you've got films like pinocchio and snow white but robin hood was very 2d i mean even when you just you can take a look at the animation especially at the end you know when they're actually running the credits and stuff like that there's there's nothing really stand out i mean it's not one of my favorite films and i know obviously maybe it should be because it's a british film (laughs) <laughs> but a bright story, much the same as Sword in the Stone, but uh, it's it just doesn't do anything for me, unfortunately. You're just saying that because I trashed Tron. Thanks a lot, Stephen. <laughs> Whatever. I really, I didn't think, I didn't really think you were that petty, but that's fine. Whatever, Tim. What were you gonna say? Well, I mean, the one thing also is a lot of people forget this. When you look at the cast of characters, when you look at who did the voiceovers for this. I mean, it was this. This was almost the who's who of some of these, you know, 
that kind of what I like to call almost like the connecting Disney years from the from the like the, the early classics into the modern era, uh, almost like almost the tweener years, the the Fox and the Hound, the uh, you know the, uh, Robin Hood, the Jungle Book, kind of starting that trend, stored in the stone. But I mean, you had you're talking about you had Brian Bedford, Phil Harris, Roger Miller, Andy Devine, Peter Ustinov. I mean, Terry Thomas, Sir Hiss. I mean, there, it was you know Carol Shelley did Lady Cluck. You you had so many cool people doing voices in this and I mean if, if anyone ever is a huge fan of classic comedy which I'm I'm very aware that I've frequently hinted at this but Phil Harris is just bar none one of the funniest guys from the golden era of comedy and Phil Harris being uh, you know Phil Harris playing little John you it's it's just so neat because you, uh, Phil Harris actually, for one of the big reasons he said doing Baloo and doing uh, Little John, was that he would be able to be immortalized. People a hundred years from now would know who he was. And, I mean, lo and behold, here we are. Nobody would really be talking about Phil Harris, most likely, in this era, if it wasn't for those movies. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a great segue to lead into this. I mean, and Peter Ustinov being such an amazing... Shakespearean actor. Yeah. I mean, I you know, Jeff and I kind of got into a little bit of a conversation online uh, the other day about how we love the uh, some of these old movies, some of the old epics, and I mean, you know, Peter Ustinov being the quintessential uh, almost Roman, uh, you know, uh, part of the Roman, you know, part of the Roman elite, you know, being a patrician. Uh, he, I mean, he's it's great to tie him into this, and I, he's just the perfect person to play Prince John. It's, uh, I really, really do love this story, but unfortunately, of course, you could not make it today because today would most likely be referred to as Robin Hood redistributes the wealth and the English call for his long form birth certificate. So, <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood, the Brexit. <laughs> Don't get me started now. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that I, I really, I really enjoy. I grew up. Uh, this is the pinnacle of am- anthropomorphism. Um, and, and, Ooh, look at you! I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that's a that's a ten dollar word there. Um, that that's a that's a twenty panty word. Uh, anyway. That's only for the expansive game. <laughs> but they. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've watched a lot of the Zootopia uh, extras and, and stuff. You know, this this movie inspired all of them to to do Zootopia. So, I guess in a sense, that's a homage to uh, Robin Hood. I don't get me wrong. I mean, the animation wasn't at its best, but the storyline was good. And as you see, having the animals, you know, come through as each and every character. Every character was different, and every character played its part really, really well. And you couldn't think of another animal that would actually play the part that the, uh, Disney had put in. You know, even even the chicken going round, you know, yeah. or the rooster, you know, playing his uh, his guitar and his banjo all the way, singing the songs right the way through. I mean, it's, it's classic Robin Hood. I mean, you read the story of Robin Hood and they're all in it. Not only that, but it, it's our, our family motto uh, comes from Robin Hood. Gee, Hossafat Trigger, put that pea shooter down. <laughs> oh, it's only nutsy. 
Oh wow. yeah, it's oh that's another yeah. Pat Butcherum as the I mean that's another uh, God. How could I forget Pat Butcherum as the sheriff of Nottingham? I mean, oh yeah. come on. I mean, if anyone has ever seen a western made from nineteen forty something to today, you know who Pat Butcherum <laughs> is. Yes, you know, I there's always you know whenever we kind of go through the back episodes of uh, you know of the Mickey dudes, you know, they, I always come up with you know ones that kind of hit the pause button or you hear lots of crickets but this one i think i might have hit a good one with robin hood thank you very much yeah mic drop tim i said yours was a good one i'm leaving i'm done show's over thank you <laughs> <laughs> except steven doesn't like it but that's besides the point Genetti all, right. Out. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's head, let's head over to modern films all right now again and i, I kind of like where you were going before tip when you're looking kind of like modern films and i kind of thought the same way you did there's these eras you got your classic classic time period wise of snow white pinocchio dumbo that then you kind of get the jungle book in the 60s um you get robin hood in the 70s you get yeah lady and tramp fox and the hound kind of those kind of movies you know as the time timeline starts to turn now we're kind of looking maybe a little bit after that, kind of into the 90s, 2000s, and into today, your definition may of modern may be different, and I'm sure if it is, you'll let me know why. But let's go modern videos or modern films, and Tim, what's an underrated modern film that you think of? I'm going with Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons, I thought, was a film that completely embodied what... Walt Disney was and what Walt Disney always hoped that the Disney Corporation would be. It was a, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you know what, sometimes you have a lot of failures, sometimes you have stumbles, but no matter what, you keep pushing forward, you keep using your head, you keep thinking, and it's amazing when you keep a positive spin, a positive outlook, how things can change for you. And I thought that story was kind of told very, very wonderfully through that, where he, you know, you had, you know, you had your character, you know, you had your main character pursuing, you know, wanting to know who his, you know, who his real parents were, who his real parents were, everything else. And he didn't realize that he had this wonderfully goofy family that turned out, you know, that he turned out just fine. And, you know, he seeing in the future, he turns out just fine because he kept on being himself. He kept on trying to, he didn't, he didn't try to be what others wanted him to be. He decided, you know, I'm me. And if, if me's not good enough, well, then that's, that's just fine. And it's, I, I thought the message was wonderful. And I also thought, uh, you know, bowler hat guy, uh, which that's actually what his name is, bowler hat guy. <laughs> Uh, I thought uh, great uh, a great villain, but also I thought it was really neat that they actually put a spin on it and showed that you know it's not everything is not everything is as it seems on the surface. That you never know someone's true story. You know when you're when you're walking down the street and you know you're you know you're you're walking around you see you know maybe just this this old man who's struggling to get out of a car. Some people may look at him and go, oh man, look at that. Why is he even driving? When pe other people can take a look at that and say, you know, notice maybe a little sticker on his car that says World War II veteran and realize, wow, you know, 
70 years ago, that guy beat down the biggest evil there was on this planet. That guy is more of a badass than I will ever hope to be in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you, you, never, you never know. You never know kind of the full story of what, uh, of what someone has. And I thought it was really neat because every once in a while, we all need to be reminded never to judge a book by its cover. And to always kind of try to look past that first skin. Uh, you know, that first layer of people. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, you never know what you can find when you just kind of open your mind and actually learn a few things. And I thought that movie was wonderful because, again, it also it kept teaching you, look forward, look forward. You know, remember your past, honor the past, but always try to keep moving forward. And also, one of the, uh, one of the songs, part of the soundtrack, probably one of my favorite kind of, when I'm stressed, listen to... Uh, uh, Little Wonders by uh, Rob Thomas. No, that's a brilliant song. And it just, uh, what I love is he talked about when he was writing it that he was kept on trying to be in a hurry, be in a hurry, and he stopped and kind of looked down at his dog, and his dog was just enjoying the day, you know, breeze blowing through, you know, his hair, just enjoying everything. And it almost kind of intertwines, takes me back to when I first learned how to relax on vacation. It's, uh, you know, don't sweat the small things, but enjoy the little things in life too it was very much like a back to the future sort of film as well you know the way he was going back and seeing himself as the young version of him before yes. obviously coming forward as well I know obviously Jeff had I think it was Jeff that picked the bowler hat guy as one of his favourite villains as well yeah and uh, also the one thing I will say is another another Disney quote that flies in my house quite a few times one of my favorite characters, the ferocious yet clumsy Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, yes. Of the, I have this huge head and very small hands. Yep. I don't think this is a very well thought out plan. That Love is thrown that. back and forth between my wife and between my wife and I all the time. But it's the way he says it. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, that, that would be my answer, gentlemen. Uh, I think Meet the Robinsons is definitely a fantastic story that everyone can benefit from. Yeah, I can't believe uh, this gives me a chance to throw in another John uh, Lasseter um, uh, little tidbit, but um, you know, that was that, that movie was in turmoil uh, during uh, while in Disney production and they finished the Pixar uh, merge uh, right when that was in production and like I said, it was in all kinds of turmoil. John Lasseter essentially just came in and saved the day and like just started rewriting the whole thing. And uh, or got him involved with uh, re- rewriting the whole thing to try to get bring in more character and and personal touches. So, but yeah, it's brilliant. And you know what, Tim, I never even thought about that. This, you know, it's it's it, in vogue now to do the uh, villain uh, origin story. That was that was a a villain origin story, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's pretty much that's what we got to see. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something that you really didn't get to take. It's it was uh, yeah, it was it, it was a look back when no one was thinking of that and I mean it just Meet the Robinsons never got that much attention which I thought was again a, a shame because it's I mean just it's so well done it's so fantastic and I mean there's, there's again it's the, there's something for all ages in there yeah our family watches it we try we watch it about once a year I mean heck I even uh, named my my personal blog keep moving forward blog.com so I mean uh, I have a lot of appreciation for it too very nice. Love it, Jeff. Well done, Tim. Another solid, solid answer. 
Um, you know, and a you know, moral of the story, John Lasseter, he's pretty cool. Oh God, John <laughs> John Lasseter is awesome. John Lasseter is the best thing to happen to Disney movies since Sterling Holloway. I mean, really is. <laughs> There are so many people at, like during our episode and after episode, they're Googling all these names that Tim is just throwing out. Tim, you are a wealth of knowledge. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete geek about that stuff. I mean, I love, you know, Sterling Holloway's just been an awesome voice. Uh, and I just, I love it from everything from the, from everything from the stork and Dumbo to, you know, Winnie the Pooh to uh, Ka and Jungle Book. I just, yeah. I, I can't help it. I just I, I have to love guys who had that wide range. They were so awesome. New new nickname T- Timopedia. <laughs> That's it. You're no longer the strongman. You're Timopedia. All right, Jeff, give me a, a modern movie that we could discuss. Oh, well, th- this is a little Scottish flick you guys might have heard of. It's called Brave. Um, Pixar, <laughs> Pixar. Uh, uh, you know, they have a, a habit of cranking out uh, amazing uh, award-winning movies. And um, so they're, they're plugging along, making uh, amazing movies every step of the way. And they come along and make Brave, and, and they put their, their neck out. It's an, or, it's an original story. Um, it's very unique. If you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm sure most people have. But it got a, a black eye for a couple reasons. Um, one of them, it didn't – so it made three times the, the ratio of cost to – to value, which is, it still made five hundred forty million dollars. Give me a break. That's wait. But, that's you know, all. Oh, terrible. I know. Isn't that crazy? And um, I guess because I I always try to study why this didn't get a big fan following. But I think the thing is, if you looked at this movie in a vacuum, people would go, you know, gaga for it. I think the fact of the matter is, they followed all these amazing, massive hits for Pixar and in in. Um, so it always it stands up against that. Plus, this was a wasn't a traditional uh, story. Uh, it, there's really just kind of a fantasy adventure. There really wasn't a true antagonist. Uh, you could argue that there was some, uh, you know, maybe tradition or growing up as the antagonist to um, to uh, Merida. But uh, it in general, it's just kind of like uh, her her uh, exploration into adulthood, kind of. Um, what, what I loved about it is, you know, female empowerment. I have two girls, so it's it's a fem- another female empowerment movie. But also, it really focuses on the mother daughter relationship. Um, you know, and I'm kind of you know living those things myself now. So it's kind of like the mother knows best, but the the rebellion of the daughter. But and she learns in the end. Um, but it's just one of those things. It's 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 really. I think when time uh, carries on, it'll will be looked past and look at how much of it really of a gem it was. I mean, good for good grief, it, it won the best animated feature of that year. So I mean, you know that that it ain't all bad. Wait, wait um, a minute. It did. It, it, yeah, it made, exactly. it made five, only five hundred and forty million dollars, and it won the best animated feature. Um, that yeah, obviously, it's just terrible. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's it's it, you start looking at those numbers and you just kind of go, "What the heck? How come we were you know so up in arms about Brave?" But anyway, it's scary because it, exactly what you're talking about. I think Brave is a perfect movie for this segment. I think it kind of fits it very well because even with these modern day movies that they're churning out over and over and over again, that are box office smash after smash after smash, the movie that only made five hundred and forty million and won Best Picture for a for an animated film. 
it doesn't really get talked about in everything you said, Jeff. I think you're absolutely right. I think the storyline behind it and the female empowerment, I, I really believe that it's one of those movies that I think may go may go more appreciated as time goes on and people start looking back at these movies and say, eh, you know, let me check out Brave again. And then, oh, wait a minute. Wow. You know, this is actually a really good movie. I think when you put it in his perspective in relation to where I am, I mean, obviously, based in Scotland, you know, it, it really, it was the first Scot real Scottish film that made it big for Disney. I mean, it was fantastic. You know, it just everything about it, even getting the, the big stars in place, you know, you've got Billy Connolly and you've got Emma Thompson, you know, and uh, what was it? Uh, McDonald. I can't remember the, the, the girl's first name. Oh. Ronald. <laughs> Ronnie McDonald. <laughs> here I am, I go, I wait, was that it? Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, oh, you got me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to look him up as he's talking. I'm like, I, yeah, they were all authentic Scottish, uh, Scottish actors. But, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, it was great. And obviously, we all understood it over here. You know, whereas I think there was a lot of colloquialism sort of, that I don't think maybe the rest of the world actually knew about and maybe had to go yeah. and look up. You know, like wished. I mean, do you know what that means? Oh no, no, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it's be quiet. You know, you know, wished. You know, shush, stuff like that. You know, so it was uh, things that were for the Scottish, and not not even English, because a lot of English wouldn't even understand. You know, the the full uh, dialogue of Brave as well. But it was a great film. It was so so yeah. good. And I love that you just said great. I only have I just, one I love complaint that. when it comes to Brave. One complaint. I thought they had a gold mine with those three boys turning into the Cubs, and they just didn't use them at all. I mean, I just I kept waiting for that that dynamite scene where they could use them and have fun with them. And I mean, they used them a bit, but I thought it was oh they they could have they really could have thrown a lot a lot of funny stuff in there with those guys. They could have thrown know. it into a separate series as well. They could have taken the three of them and it turned them into a, a like a Donald's nephews, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. You could have done I mean, something yeah. like that and just made a whole franchise out of that one as well. But I mean, it's but I mean, I, I completely agree, Stephen. You know, the big the big stars in there. Billy Connolly drove me to this movie. I mean, I was going to go see it anyway, but once I found out Billy yeah. Connolly was in it, I was. So yep, he was your driver, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Billy Con what a hell of a guy. You know, made a great movie. And they Billy came and picked you up and everything. Yeah. Got really mad that I asked him to sign a bunch of Boondock Saints stuff, but I mean, he was okay with <laughs> it. Ke Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald. So, yeah, yeah. She's, she's a massive uh, uh, force on uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean,. Uh, it's train spotting. Heck, train spotting. She's just in a new one as well. Uh, Swallows and Amazons. It's getting me made across here as well. So it's a brand new film she's in, and she's a great actress. You know, right as you say, right the way back from Train Spotting onwards. It was, it was great. And I think she's going yeah. to be the new Train Spotting as well. Really oh, cool. I think they're trying to get all the characters back for that. But nice. Oh. Well, my my only complaint about Brave, I only have one, and that was that Stephen wasn't actually in it. So, yeah. this is your big moment, Stephen. You get to be part of us. I know it's not brave. It's close, but it's not brave. You just get to be a Mickey dude. But 
Give us your modern movie. My modern movie is Treasure Planet. Uh, my, it's, it's one for me and my eldest son, Andrew. He he loves it. And I said in previous podcasts, you know, a lot of people say that they're, they're embarrassed about Disney stuff and sort of projecting it, but Andrew's 17 and he projects this, you know, the, the persona of Disney loving it, much the same as what I do. But Treasure Planet is such a good film. It just takes on the Robert Louis Stevenson Treasure Planet, uh, uh, Treasure Island, and just puts it into space. Uh, it's got a great soundtrack. It really, although you're in space, it does actually go along right along with the book because you've got uh, Long John Silver in it. You know, who's played by a, a, a cyborg. Okay, you've got Jim Hawkins who's jumping about in a. a uh, hoverboards, a skyboard sort of thing, but yeah. yeah, you know, right the way through to Ben Gunn, you know, and Martin Short plays this robot in the middle of nowhere, uh, just and it, the the one liner he comes out with as well, you know, it's it's just really good, and it portrays the whole book of Treasure Island just in space, and what's what's no good about that? Oh, com- yeah. completely agree on that. I, I think, I think this is one of the ones that, again, you're looking at that modern time frame, that small window before you really got into the Pixar stuff. That these films get lost, and I, I, I Stephen, I applaud you on this one. It, it's, it's, it's a really good pick. I say, I mean, you've got Emma, Emma Thompson, you get Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who really went on to to do a lot. The last film he did was the the Walk, you know, between the Twin Towers. Uh, as well as obviously you know, Patrick McGowan from sort of Prisoner fame. A lot of big stars in this, but as you're saying, it is that sort of era where it never really made anything you know, at the box office. Uh, I mean, it, it took $140 million to produce and it only brought in 109 And for such a, a, such a personal film for me and my son, I just don't believe it. It, it. it never made as much money as it did. But you're saying, I mean, it, it is that era. You're, you're talking, and it, we spoke about it earlier on. You're, you're talking about you get Brother Bear, you've got Meet the Robinsons, you get Treasure Planet, you get Atlantis. All these sort of films that were produced year after year after year. Nothing at the box office. Absolutely nothing. And it's a shame. Yeah, and I mean, that, it is a shame. And you know, this, this falls in that. Uh, that uh, Death Valley that uh, I think Pat was alluding to, it's kind of like it is an animated feature, but it, is it really for a, a little small child? And that's probably what's what's killing it. I mean, it, this is one of my family's favorite movies as well. Um, maybe it's because I'm, like you said, once again, forcing it on them. But they end up loving the story, and it's very entertaining and, and well-written. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I guess what you're saying about the BFG as well. I mean, the, the BFG is, is one of these things where... From a point of view of a parent, you'll read that to your kids. Do the kids want to see it after maybe getting forced to have it read to them all the time? Bit like Treasure, Treasure Island. You know, you learn it at school. You, yeah. Your parents yeah. maybe read it to you when you were growing up. Do you want to go and see a film that's something that you're not really too interested in and was maybe forced on you? Maybe not, you know? Yeah. You know, it's one of my favourites. And, and the soundtrack with John Resnick... Uh, the Goo Goo Dolls is just it's so really it's a, it's a great song it's something I could put on yeah. any time and 
just listen to it going up the road, listen to it driving anytime. It's just, I know I use this word quite a lot, but it's iconic to what fuels me the film. Hello, Ron Clements and John Musker uh, directed it and wrote the story. Uh, you know, they, they're getting ready to do, uh, they're bringing them back to do Moana. So, yeah. I mean, uh, they're legends in, in their own right. Now, and, and another really, really solid, solid pick there, Stephen. And, you know, again, it's, there are so many under, you know, the more we talk about it, you know, there's, there's quite a few underappreciated films out there. I think the films that just aren't getting the love. And my final one is Emperor's New Groove. Now, again, I'm going to go along with the same idea of Robin Hood with the storyline, the moral behind it and all that. You know, the Emperor uh, being, you know, so much better than everybody else and and destroying or trying to destroy a little village so he could have his summer house and yada, yada, yada. You know, and, and, and being all the way broken down and, you know, becoming a llama and, <laughs> you know, it just... <laughs> Just really, you know, and, and I, I save the drama for your llama, you know, and I always think of that movie when I say that to my eighth graders and, you know, he's, he always pops right into my head, but, you know, uh-huh. it, it, it's, <laughs> you know, again, I think it's one of the stories, it's a great movie, it's got some modern day stars in it, you know, the, the, the music in it's good, uh, and, and, you know, and when you have the voice of Soren in it, I, I don't know how it can't be, you know, how it's underappreciated. But when you ever have Patch Warburton in it, you know, it's, again, in my mind, an underappreciated but yet a classic at the same time. Old story retold by Disney. And I think they put a really good spin on it. Again, won, won the Oscar for Best Music. You know, Sting had a great soundtrack on that as well. And, again, in, Into the Dust... <laughs> Nobody, nobody really remembers it. Which is a shame because man, is it good! It is so hysterical. Yeah, hello, Eartha Kitt. I mean, that's freaking amazing. Yeah, Uzma. <laughs> exactly, Eartha Kitt. I mean, you've got Patrick Warburton, John Goodman, David Spade. I mean, again, another another decent, a very good cast of characters. I mean, and some classic, some modern, and again, yeah, Patrick Warburton is Kronk. I mean, if you if if anyone, when he's sneaking out to quote unquote dump Cusco's body and humming his own music, <laughs> if you don't laugh during that scene, you're 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 dead. You're dead. <laughs> you are not alive. Check your pulse. I just wonder what actors feel like when they're obviously you know given you know the the nod. Right, okay, you're gonna be in a, you're gonna be voicing over a Disney movie, and it doesn't do what everybody really expected it to do you know it's it's a shame for them you know because other ones have went on leaps and bounds you know from great great films but if you pick if you get a film that's doesn't make a lot of the box office not a lot of folk talk about is it something you put in your resume and just go right okay i did this rather than going i did this yeah oh absolutely absolutely so, gentlemen, you know, I, I see us, you know, and it's funny, you know, to our listeners out there, before we start recording, we always, you know, talk about the night's topic and things of that nature. And we got into a, a discussion right away, and I'm like, all right, let's start the episode because we already we, – we were really getting into it. And I said to Tim beforehand, you know, make sure that, you know, you don't go on your long rants, mess everything up and swear and do all this <laughs> stuff. We got to kind of – we got to kind of keep it nice and tight. But – 
as this episode went on and when Stephen, when you you kind of gave us this topic earlier that, you know, I thought this would be a quick episode. But what I learned, you know, and hopefully our listeners did as well, is that these underappreciated films need to be go, you know, need to be seen, whether you have seen them in the past or or haven't seen them yet. There's something that you have to go out and, and kind of put it on your living list to go see these or go, you know, go to Netflix, you know, go to Amazon, you know, uh, if there's still Blockbuster around. But I know there's not. I just felt like saying that, uh, you, know, go, you know, go go find a way to get these movies and, and just see what we're talking about. You know, these underappreciated films, they're, they're classics all to us. With that being said, you know, let's get into the modern era. And Tim, where can everybody find you on the social media stuff you can find me on twitter at at plain underscore tim and you can find me on facebook at tim schweska also if you have not seen brother bear shame on you go see it the mckenzie brothers play the two moose go see it <laughs> thank you timopedia and steven yeah you can get me on twitter at sjm disney or on facebook at stephen james maxwell jeff yeah, you can get hold of me at, at Braindead92, and I'm going to start a Kickstarter campaign to get uh, Pat a copy of Tron. <laughs> I agree with that. I'm in. <laughs> for, every, for every 20 bucks we raise, Dave's got to take another shot at Beverly. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. I love it. And you could find me at Daily Walt Disney on the Twitter machine, and you could find me at Pat on Facebook. You can find all of us at the Mickey Dudes on Twitter, or you can go over to themickeydudes.com and see some of the articles that we have been writing for our pleasure and for yours. Um, if you could do us a favor, head on over to iTunes, give us a review. The more reviews we get, the more love we can spread to everybody. Um, we can have a lot of fun with a lot of people, and we kind of just like talking Disney with each other, but we also like talking Disney with you. So please hit us up on any of the social medias, um, that we just gave you and with that I'd like to say thank you and have a good night you've just listened to another exciting episode at the Mickey Dudes podcast you can find the Mickey Dudes on Facebook at the Mickey Dudes podcast and on Twitter at the Mickey Dudes if you enjoyed our podcast please share the love on Stitcher or iTunes thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again real soon